episode number 175 with Derek Tinbush. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton, and thank you for tuning in. I am here this week with Derek Tenbush, the owner of TPE, a poker player, and uh, you're also a uh, new uh, Vegas permanent resident. That is correct. I've been here about a month and a half now, I guess, which is amazing that it's gone by that fast. Um, so yeah, just moved here from North Carolina, and other than the 107 degree temperature, it's been great so far. <laughs> You know, and coming to Vegas so often, uh, my brother's, um, what would it be? I guess it would be his brother-in-law now that he got married. Uh, he was telling me about um, the weather here and living here, and he described it very accurately. And he said that, uh, you know, once winter's done, the temperature will get up to a consistent 75, and then it'll get down to 60. Mm-hmm. And then a week or two will go by, and it'll go up to... 85 and you're like damn it's getting kind of hot and then it goes down to 75 and it's like that for a week and a half and then it goes up to 95 and you're just like oh my god and then it goes down to 85 and you gotta get used to it and then one day it just hits you and it's like you walk outside and you're like oh my god it's 115 degrees what the hell and then it drops down to 105 and you're like oh this ain't that bad yeah (laughs) i think it's weird too because i've been i mean i've come out to vegas i guess seven summers in a row or something like that and it's always in the summer during the world series so you think i would just sort of know what it's like and expect the heat but i think there's something about the permanence now of moving here where i'm like oh yeah it's really hot and i'm here forever (laughs) you know as opposed to just like yeah it's pretty hot but i'm only here a month it's no big deal (laughs) i can stick it out then i go home (laughs) yeah but i am i am looking forward to because you know people keep telling me about like just how beautiful it is and and i lived in socal for 10 years so in my mind i'm thinking like in like september october november it'll start to get to be like socal weather and i'll love it so just gotta make it through the summer and i'll be good yeah it uh when i retire i'm i'm coming out here and um but I'm going to live out here probably eight months out of the year. I'm not going to be here in the dead of winter. And then, well, I will have to be here for the dead of summer because of the WSOP. But after that's over, then I'm going to leave for a few months and then come back. Yeah. It, uh, uh, but, yeah, eight months out of the year, the, the weather's just fine. you know. And uh, have you ever been here in the winter when it – sometimes it actually snows here? I've been here – in fact, I was here this past November. Um, but – I just came out for a weekend, and of course, you know how it is when you come to Vegas. You basically get off the plane, get in an Uber, yes. walk into a casino, and then you never walk outside. And you never so. see the light of day for four days. Then you get back on the plane, yeah. and you never know the difference. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure it was beautiful outside in November when I was here, but I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are you? you're in Henderson now, right? You're just renting a place, but you're looking to buy? Yeah, yeah. So we um, we made the decision to move here very quickly and sort of rashly. Uh-huh. Um, so we pretty much from the from the minute from the minute my wife said hey we should move again to actually getting in a car and leaving North Carolina was was around three weeks. Wow! So we literally gave away or sold like everything we owned, um, and then loaded up the dogs and just a few possessions into our two cars and drove across the country and we were here. So we're just renting for now while our house back in North Carolina sells. 
and um, and we kind of search for something to buy here permanently. Okay. But uh, we have this rented till October, so we have you know kind of plenty of time to oh, you feel, time. Up, feel okay. up the neighborhoods and kind of figure out where we want to be. I think we pretty much know we want to end up in Henderson, but we we're also open to the fact that that might change. You know, we haven't really checked out Summerlin that much and some of the other areas, so we might find something else we like more. But um, we're just gonna feel it out until the World Series is over. That's kind of hard to do, but. Yeah, uh, so yeah. We'll, we'll get a chance to then. Yeah. Well, where my brother lives in Inspirata, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, my folks just bought a place here. Uh, my aunts just bought a place here. Uh, my brother's been living in this area for since it since it opened. He got one of the original townhomes. Uh-huh. And uh, I think when I come out here, I'm probably going to buy in the same area. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not Summerlin's really nice too. I, I don't want to sell that one short, but. Uh, yeah, this area is really cool. You got a neat, bunch of neat little bars, just like you know, a, a five dollar Uber, whatever the minimum thing for an Uber is, right away. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a neat area. I like it a lot. Yeah, we like Inspirata a lot. In fact, we actually um, we made an offer on a house in Inspirata like a week after we got here, but they kind of drug their feet and didn't um, accept our offer. They didn't decline it either. They just didn't really respond. Didn't do anything yet. Um, and then maybe after two weeks, we were like, you know what? We don't want that house anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we withdrew our <laughs> offer. But we like that neighborhood a lot, especially because it's super dog friendly, which. Um, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Every morning I go for a run with my brother's dog and they got a little, uh, they got a soccer field down there and they've got a, a dog park that I let her play with all the neighborhood dogs and everything. It's, it's yeah. just good for them. The Beagles would love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. So I, I think there's a good chance we'll end up in Inspirata. That's just the that's the neighborhood that i think appeals to us the most so yeah but we'll see you know it's we're also not um we're not opposed to the idea or i don't know if that's the right word but i mean it's possible that in three months we might go eh i don't really like vegas let's go to portland or something (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of the nice thing about not owning anything anymore is i mean we could literally if we wanted to we could be out of this house in 30 minutes like wow that's how little stuff we brought. I mean, basically clothes and computers is what we brought. So it'd be like checking out of a hotel room, basically. <laughs> so awesome. So I mean, what, we, you know, what, it, what prompted this? What were you guys just sick of North Carolina, or time for a change, or what? The yeah, it was just kind of time for a change. Like we've we've always kind of done this thing where every you know five to ten years we just move somewhere. Okay. Um, so we we lived in New York for a summer. Really? Uh, we're originally from Michigan, moved to Los Angeles uh, on a, sort of a whim. And then when we moved to North Carolina, it was very much like when we moved here. It was very quick and very random. Like we just – one day we were like, let's move to North Carolina. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of like – we started talking about it when my son was about to go off to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were like, well, we might as well wait till he's done with school. Like no use moving now. You know, He's got a year left or whatever. So he finished up high school, went to college, and then – at that point, we were kind of like, well, let's give him a year or two to settle in, you know, make sure he's all good and, you know, make sure he, he doesn't need us anymore, basically. Yeah. Um, and we kind of kept saying that to ourselves, but then all of a sudden, like, he's going to graduate in December. So all of a sudden, we were like, shit, that whole, that, you know, four or five years just went away, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we've been talking about moving the whole time. So, yeah, it was kind of like, I don't know, my wife threw the idea out there. We just, I said, well, let's go grab some dinner and a couple of cocktails and decide where we're going to go. Because we didn't even know we were going yet. <laughs> So we just went to the went to the bar and had a few drinks and we settled on Vegas. Right on. Well, cool. I'm glad you're here, brother. It's a fun city. Uh, I can't wait to move here myself, although it's another 12 years away. But uh, I'm excited about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how long 
I stay here because, like I said, we we've never really stayed anywhere permanently. So it'll be interesting to see if we are here years or the rest of our lives, or you know, yeah, or uh, another six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just never know. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun while I'm here. That much I know. Right on, good deal. Well, how's the, how's the series going? What uh, what have you played so far? Have you had any caches? How's it going? I have had zero caches, but. In my defense, I've only played two tournaments. Oh, right. um, so yeah, my schedule is pretty light this year, mainly because of the whole like trying to sell a house, and then also house hunting and trying to buy a house here. Um, so I'm just I'm not I didn't really commit to playing a lot of stuff because I never knew when my wife was gonna be like we have to go sign this paperwork or we have to go tour this house or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I made a really light schedule of basically a tournament a week. Okay. essentially um and then i'll just mix in like you know i might go play some daily deep stacks i might go fire the win or a planet hollywood or something like if there's just a day where i don't have anything going on um but yeah so i played the online bracelet event and just really didn't get anything going in that at all um kind of whittled down busted far from the money and then i played the millionaire maker this past weekend um kind of the same thing really like it it was really depressing because I actually started I, – before I jumped on the call today, I started trying to think of interesting hands, like in, just in case we wanted to discuss a hand or something. And um, I was like, wow, I did not play a single interesting hand. Like it was literally like <laughs> you know, raise, c-bet, take it, raise, c-bet, get raised, fold um, all day. Uh, and then a little bit before dinner, uh, flop two pair with jack nine of clubs, uh, got it in against a flush draw and couldn't hold for like a 50, 55 big blind pot. And uh, that was me on the way out the door. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's all I've played so far. So not, like really no like no fun stories, no good runs or anything like that. But uh, we got I'm playing this 1K uh, double stack tomorrow. Oh, me too. Yes. Um, so I'm actually very excited about that. Yes, uh, because so I think I. The, the structure seems super cool, and I think it's going to bring out a lot of recreational players. And it's right after the seniors event, so I think we'll get a lot of seniors in there. Not to say that there aren't good seniors, so, you know, but, yes, but um, they'll be tired. Yes, and most people agree that the seniors <laughs> event is a very soft event. So I'm hoping a lot of those people are going to fire the 1K as well. And uh, yeah, so it should be a super good tournament. Hopefully, I can build some chips and get something going. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It uh, um, Mike convinced me to play it, and then I threw it out on here, and I got half of it uh, backed. And uh, nice. So I'm like. All right, cool. Let's go. Uh, let's go ship a double stack. Let's yeah, a bracelet. Exactly. How, how many people do you think will be in there? I've heard anywhere from four to eight thousand. Yeah, I would. I'd expect it to probably be up. Or I, if I had to set the line, I'd probably put it at like fifty five hundred or something. Okay. But I. But I don't. You know, truth be told, I don't know what I'm basing that on <laughs> because it's not like they've had this event before. I mean, they've had one case before. But... You reached up into your ass and pulled out 5,500. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Stared at the lid um, in your belly button, and that's where you yeah. got it. <laughs> Watch it all. I'll actually be right. Which be yeah, awesome. it'll be exactly 5,500. <laughs> but I don't know. I, again, I don't know why I think that number but it just seems right to me for some reason okay okay yeah i'm 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 not sure it uh i'm but, but i've heard between four and eight thousand and one guy seemed very certain on eight thousand and another guy didn't think it'd go over 4k and then i've kind of heard everything in between so yeah uh yeah maybe six call it the middle but yep yeah i'm excited about that one i'm excited about that one it uh you know i wanted to i wanted to talk to you a little bit about um uh the you've played some of these tournaments that have the big blind do the ante right yes okay all right so anyone that hasn't played these because it seems like um 
I hadn't played one either until I came out, but I'd heard about them. And what it is is, let's say the anti or the blinds are uh, um, 100, 200. Um, so the small blind posts 100, the big blind posts uh, 200. The big blind also posts the ante for everyone at the table, so he throws in another 200 that goes in the middle. And what the, the idea behind it is is the play goes much faster because now you're not sitting there having nine or ten players that all have to throw in one chip. And there's always two people that don't have change, and it just it slows the game down. Whereas just forcing the big blind to put in the ante, uh, it you know you probably get an extra I don't know four or five hands an hour. I mean it makes a big difference. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was talking to a guy at the table, and he's like, "There's got to be you know this changes the strategy." And um, when I notice it the most is when you get deep in tournaments and you're shorter stacked and you're looking at the blind coming at you, you're actually going to have to pay two big blinds because you got to put your big blind up and the ante, which equals the big blind. So it's, uh, I think there might be a bit of an advantage for the pros because we can probably adjust to this faster than the amateurs can. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm having a hard time articulating like what, how we can really maximize that advantage. Have, have you played these and have you thought much about this or? Yeah, so I played one. Um, so I guess I should say I've actually played three events. Although it wasn't a ring, it wasn't a bracelet event. It was just the um, so they have the daily deep stacks and at least one, if not two, of those each day now are big, big blind anti events. Yeah, um, and the aria and the win. Oh, they have them there too. Okay. Was, yeah, this was just like this was just like the Rio deep stack. Like oh, the, they're doing it there now too. Yeah, nice. I, but I know I know there's one that's not, but the 4 p.m. one for sure, which I played is okay. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't sure. Like when when I first started hearing about it, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that sounds kind of cool or whatever. Like it would speed things up a little bit. But then having played a big blind anti event back to back with a non big blind anti event, mm-hmm. it's amazing how much faster things move. Okay. Because I mean, we all kind of know from playing live tournaments like how often you know. Like that, you know, somebody forgets to put theirs in, or the dealer has to remind them, or yeah, someone's on the phone and they're just like every hand, they're just getting fucking like, yeah. bro, throw your chip in. Yeah, um, and I'm guilty of it sometimes too, you know. Um, so we all kind of know that happens, but I guess until I played them, and especially having played them back to back, I didn't realize how much it happens and how much faster it is with a big blind ante. So I like that a lot. I haven't given a whole lot of thought to the um, to the strategy of them, mainly because when I put my schedule together, I wasn't playing any of them. Uh, uh, okay. So I was just kind of like, okay, well, I don't really need to worry about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there probably are some intricacies, although it's probably not like I've seen some people on Twitter and stuff like, you know, big pros who are smarter than me saying that it really doesn't change things much because yeah, you do have that big one coming around. That's going to hit you. But it's probably counteracted some by the fact that if you're on the button, you're not you don't have to pay anything for the next six or seven hands or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um. So, I, yeah, I don't know what the implications are, but I'm guessing there are some, and I'm guessing smarter players than I have figured them out. <laughs> there is a bit of that, like when you're on the button and you're a short stack, you're like, okay, I have six hands now that aren't costing me a dime. Yeah, that I can shove, you know, you right. know what I mean? Like I, I can be slightly, uh, I think you can have like the same patience level until you get to the big blind. 
Whereas when you're tossing in that ante chip every time when you only got, you know, you got blinded down to six big blinds or you've lost or whatever, it's, you're, you're, you're still going to have that six big blinds when you come into the big blind instead of now having five and a third or something. Right. You know, so it may be negligible, but I think there still is a, a bit of it there, you know? Yeah. One, one thing I will say that I noticed is, so obviously, you know, everybody's defending their big blind now, right? Like we, we all, we've all kind of adjusted to this concept of defending our big blind wider. Um, but I don't know that recreational players had really started doing that, but I will say that in the big blind anti event, people, the big blind was seemed to me to be defending way more often. Yeah. And I think it's because they get attacked. They, they kind of feel like, even though you shouldn't think of that, that 200 chips or whatever as, as being your part of you. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, really you've just, you've essentially collected antis from everybody for an orbit and now you've put them in sort yeah. of, you know? but I think people do mentally get attached to it as though it's theirs and they just are way stickier. Um, so now again, that's based on one event that I played in for about four hours or whatever. So I don't want to like, you know, I'm not going to go publish a book that says that, <laughs> you know, the big blind anti makes people defend their big blind wider, but it'll be interesting to see if that's a trend that other people notice or, or that yeah, I get yeah. to see. Well, that's 120, 150 hands. That's a, that's a decent sample. I've, I've noticed the same thing too. They do seem a little bit more sticky. Um, yeah. I have started uh, raising bigger here. It was from a recent coaching session with Alex Fitzgerald. Um, I, generally speaking, I started raising to a little bit more than three X and making my three bets a little bit more than three X. Um, and I'm getting a lot of folds. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm just relentless with my three betting. Like since since he, uh, uh, you know, um, coached me on that. I mean, it's just like I'm just like <laughs> merciful. You know, it's so great. <laughs> it is a lot more fun. Like I'm a I'm a caller by nature. Like I tend to, yeah, I just tend to call a lot. Like not not if I'm gonna play a hand. Yeah, I call more than the average person probably. You're sticky. Um, yeah, but I. Uh, kind of similarly, I, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, um, Jason Smith. He's snossed and lost online. Um, and he was talking about how we should be th- – if we're going to play hands, we should be three-betting way more than we're calling. And I've just kind of started to implement that into my game. And it's just and, – and I know it, it sounds kind of basic, but I guess when – I don't know. When you're – as old and stuck in your ways as I am, <laughs> it's hard to implement that stuff into your game. Um, but it is amazing how, like you were saying, how often they fold. They just fold all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, Alex ran a, an experiment with one of his students. His students w- was always opening 3X, and he said, uh, okay, for a month, we're going to try 3.1. And they looked at his database after a month, and he got 3-bet 20% less often by using just an extra chip, 3.1, instead of uh, 3x. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. That's interesting, right? And not for not much more cost, uh, you're more likely to take it down and not uh, get 3-bit. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, that was pretty cool. So I've been practicing with that out here, and um, yeah, you get a lot more folds. <laughs> it's kind of nice. <laughs> so, so I guess when we want to get 3-bit, we should be 3xing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when we don't want to get 3-bit, we 3.1 3. it. 3.1. <laughs> Kind of like that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm uh, backing uh, uh, Mac in uh, one of the dailies today. He's uh, he's living out here now too, and uh, uh, TPE member and uh, on Twitter and everything. And uh, he um, in our study group, 
So I got him in the Aria 400 today. I got an update a little bit ago. I guess he ran uh, Kings into Ace King and the guy rivered an Ace. So he's like, damn oh. it, half my stack. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Huh? <laughs> oh, I had a, uh, I had a moral dilemma I want to get your uh, opinion on. Sure. Um, I was at the, uh, okay, I was, I was at, where was it? It was Mirage. It was my first day here. I kind of wanted to get a warm-up tournament, uh, you know, not jump into something that could be 12 or 16 hours, you know, something that's going to last six or eight, you know. And uh, so I jumped into a 120 buy-in. I believe it was at the Mirage. And it was, um, okay, we're, we got down to four-handed. The top, I think it was the top five paid. Uh, and we're forehanded. The people at the table, there's one guy that's a doctor. He likes to be known that he's a doctor. He kind of likes to be, you know, people, uh, he likes attention. Okay. Then there's a lady to my right. She's, um, uh, she's probably about 70 years old. When you'd look at her right away, you'd think she's a grandma. Then there's me and there's a guy to my left and he's from France and he's been drinking Jack and Coke for about the last five hours. I think this tournament lasted six hours. So he's, for the last five hours, he's been getting a Jack and Coke about, you know, every time the waitress comes along. So he's he's feeling pretty good. And he didn't even realize when we got down to five-handed that we were in the money. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we're at, right? <laughs> good old, I like this guy. Good old turbo here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we're down to uh, four-handed. Um I uh, I raise his uh, we're it folds to me in the small blind. I have pocket eights. I raise it up. He shoves all in. I call and he's got uh, ace three. Now um, the board run out comes. Uh, you know, so we're both all in and everything, and flip the cards up. The board run out comes king nine deuce. And whenever I'm all in with a recreational player, I always kind of call out the action and I root for them. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. just to keep them coming back, you know, and make sure yeah. they have fun and like that. And so I'm like, okay, Frenchie, we need an ace. And then the flop comes down, king, nine, deuce. And I'm like, well, we need an ace. And then the turn is a nine. So now we have king, nine, nine, deuce. And I was about to say, or a king, but the dealer was flipping the cards so fast that I couldn't keep my, uh, uh, my narration up with, with the speed that she was dealing, you know. Right. And uh, and I said, we need an ace. And I was about to say, or a king. And then a king flops down. And so now the board is king, king, nine, nine, deuce, right? My eights are counterfeit and his yeah. ace plays. And I go, oh, I make the sound like uh, like um, uh, Homer Simpson's a don't like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before I knew what happened, the doctor stood up. He shook Frenchie's hand. The dealer pushed the entire pot into my stack. So I had my stack all nice and neat. And she just pushes the whole pot. So the whole fucking thing piles over into, uh. into a mountain, right? And the next thing I know, Frenchie is, has his hand right in front of my face. Like he's shaking it, you know, to shake my hand. So I shake his hand. I'm still a little confused as to, does no one else see that I actually <laughs> lost the hand? <laughs> and then he was gone. And I'm all, no one batted an eye. Huh. did they just did everyone misread the board i i don't know what happened but now i have this pile of chips in front of me with no way of differentiating like what i had to start the hand right and we're now oh, three-handed and we all just made an extra 130 dollars wow that's a weird situation Isn't um, it? i'm trying to think what i would do i fit 
I mean, I think obviously the morally correct thing to do, I guess, is to say, hey, man, you won. (laughs) (laughs) But A, I don't know how you fix that because now the chips are all intermingled. I mean, I guess they could go to the cameras and try to figure it out. But like that's going to take probably hours. You know, in a one, you know, one hundred and twenty dollars daily at the Mirage. It's not like the WSOP where they probably have twelve people sitting there waiting to review cameras. You know, right? Um, Yeah, that's really weird. I I, I was so shocked, and by the time I realized what had happened, the dealer was already shuffling the cards, and I'm like, I guess we just (laughs) we're now three handed. (laughs) Is that what just happened? (laughs) See, I kind of feel like, and I don't know what. what this says about me as a human being, but I feel like in that tournament, in that specific situation, I probably would have said something. Like I probably would have said, "Hey, man, you actually won." I don't know how we're going to figure out who gets what and chips, but you won the hand. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself, "Okay, let's say it was the main event, and I bought my way in with my own ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and we we're on the stone bubble, and that exact same thing happened." I'm not so sure I would say anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I, you know, it, there's a there's a like my my morality has a price clearly, or my ethical standards has a price because you know for the extra hundred hundred and fifty or whatever dollars I'm gonna make in the daily, I might just be like I don't you know I don't need the money that bad man you won here you go, um, but am I gonna like am I gonna do the same thing in a ten k buy in where basically it's like a twenty thousand dollar mistake? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to sit there and play dumb, and I'm not sure what that says about me. But <laughs> in, in the moment, it happened so fast. I think afterwards, I kind of like had time to think about it and justified it in my mind. But in the moment, everything happened so fast, and no one said anything. So either all of them misread the board, and I think my calling the action like that might have influenced it a little bit. Everyone was just like, he needs an ace, he needs an ace, he needs an ace. That was a king, that wasn't an ace, he lost the game. (laughs) We're down to three. Or they actually saw it, and they were like, oh, he doesn't realize that he's actually won. Uh, Well, we just moved up a spot. He was, I don't know, I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, he was a recreational player, he was having fun. Part of the skill of the game is being able to read your cards and read the board. True. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it was a strange, strange spot that uh, <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm a bad person for uh, for not saying anything, but I, I think the social awkwardness of it afterwards and them having to, it would have stopped the tournament. I don't know what the fuck they would have done. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> it just might have been this weird, awkward moment for everyone. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Especially with his hand, you know, if the dealer's now already shuffling the cards, like his hands in the muck, the board's in the muck. Like, uh, what are you going to do? Thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a weird spot. Yeah. Yeah. It was strange when the doctor shook, stood up and shook his hand. I was like, Oh, he's congratulating him. And then he was going to shake my hand and I shook his hand and I'm like, why is he standing up? Like what, what am I? <laughs> and then the dealer, you know, takes the cards and puts them down shoves the thing into my, into my stack. And I'm like, Oh fuck. They think I won. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not a listener to the podcast or he's going to come looking for his $120. He yeah. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man! Well, I've got a uh, I've got a few hands here. Cool. Okay. Um, I had one. I don't even know that this is much strategy, but I feel like 
Um, last night I was playing the, uh, I've had a good run so far. I've played six tournaments. I've cashed in three of them. And uh, one of them I went deep. I got 10 out of 331. First place was 27K, dude. I was oh, like, wow. Oh, fuck, I'm so close. That's a sick <laughs> run. Oh, man. It was, it was fun. Carlos was there sweating me the whole way. It was cool. Nice. Um, but last night I played another one of those uh, at the Aria. It was a 400 buy-in. Um, there was one guy that just, uh, man, he just freaking owned me. Like, uh, he raised, uh, he was a short stack. He shoved all in. I, I looked down at sixes in the big blind. I call, he has ace five, hits an ace on the river. Same scenario, the next orbit, he shoves in. This time I got queens. He has ace five again. He must like that hand. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an ace on the river. <laughs> now we're down to 15 big blinds. And the, uh, uh, the very next hand, I'm in the small blind. Uh, under the gun raises uh, to two and a half big blinds, and the same guy re-raises to about uh, 10 or 11 big blinds, and we're down to 15 big blinds after having getting uh, doubled him up twice, uh, and we got queens again. Um, and I know this doesn't sound like much of a decision here, you know, you have queens, but there was something about, it's the whole scenario, it's the tight guy raising under the gun. And it's this guy that just doubled up twice and the look on his face and he looks so relaxed and calm and the way he put the chips in the table. I feel very confident that Phil Helmuth would never go broke there. <laughs> you know, it, it was yeah. just something about the way he did it. I mean, I, I did give, a, I got to give myself a little bit of credit. I took about 15 or 20 seconds cause it just did not feel right. And, uh, I ended up putting it in under the gun uh, folds and then he snaps off and he's got aces and i'm like oh <laughs> fuck it was i trying to prove myself right like i, I it's so tough yeah. to fold queens there i mean in a vacuum 15 bigs with queens you have no decision just go with it but it was the whole scenario and just the way it went down it just didn't feel right you know yeah did uh, do you by any chance know what under the guns the original opener stack size was yeah, he had about, um, let's see, I had 15 big blinds. He had about 25 or 30. Okay. Yeah, because it feels very much like when our ace five guy, like basically 10, you know, 10x three or 10 big blind three bets. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, like he's essentially saying to Under the Gun that, you know, I'm. I'm going with this hand. Like, I don't think he's ever folding there. Yeah. You know, in front of the gun is to reshove. So he's definitely has a hand and he has a hand that he's comfortable three betting an under the gun opener with a tight under the gun opener and willing to get it in against. So like, I don't even know like if this is going to be, I guess this could be jacks sometimes, but I don't honestly don't think it's going to be nines and tens very often. Exactly. And I don't think it's going to be like ace, jack, ace, queen very often either. I so, either. I mean, I think I would absolutely get it in here, <laughs> but I also think that if we sat and thought about it for long enough, I think we would probably both realize that it's probably a fold. Yeah, I, I think so too. I I don't think he's ever doing that with tens and below. He may be doing that with ace jack and ace king suited. Like the the level of confidence he had did not look like ace king off. Yeah, you know, like he was just too calm. Like the way his face was, like, you know, he was pained when he shoved the ace five both times, right. visibly. <laughs> and this time, and this time, this time he was not pained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one he was not pained. No, he was very relaxed, and he was just his whole body language, everything, you know. And uh, 
but I had I had Jax there, it would have been an easy fold for me. Queens was yeah. was tough, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I mean, know. I I will say one thing. Like it, there's something to be said for that instinct. Like even if you don't have a concrete reason for the read, you know, believing that this guy is strong. I mean, it sounds like you're obviously describing some facial expressions and sizing and things like that that are more concrete. But it's amazing how often your instincts are right in those kind of situations. Yeah, you know, I, I think we've just played so many hands of poker that it just gets logged into the into the computer, our, our subconscious, and we've seen enough people flip up aces and kings and nutted hands that it just gets grouped into that category, and that's when a little alarm bell starts going off in your head, and, and I think that's where Helmuth is able to tap into that and use it, and... Uh, Guys like you and me, Chef Queens, there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And I, I do think there's something too about that whole like, I wanted to prove I was right, that I was beat. Yeah. I I do that. I catch myself doing that a lot online. I don't. I'm not as. I'm not as guilty of it live, but online, the number of times where I, you know, I go, oh well, clearly he made it. You know, he hit his flush on the river. Obviously, yeah. you know, I call. See, look, I told yeah. you he made his flush on the river, <laughs> right. and it's like, well, then why am I calling? Like you just. It, it like makes you feel better to know that you took a bad beat, you know, yeah. like, like then to have to fold and wonder, you know? So you're yeah. just like, you you know, you call and you go, yep. See, yeah. told you. Aren't I, I smart? Myself right. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't I smart? <laughs> yeah. As he's stacking your chips up. Yeah, exactly. And you're kicking a can. <laughs> yeah. And how many people were left at this point? You said 10, was this when there were 10 people left? Uh, this was uh 30 people left. Oh, okay. So there weren't like any huge. No, 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 no. We, did, we were in a min cash, and the next jump up was like two players, and we'd make an extra hundred dollars or something okay. like that. First place was twenty six, twenty seven k, twenty five, yeah. some, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, min cash was I got seven sixty, I think. So I made three hundred sixty bucks. Yeah, um, I definitely think it, it's probably a fold. But like I said, I think I, I think I'd probably get it in there like. 85 percent of the time yeah yeah okay just because it's queens man yeah, right queens <laughs> i have 15 bigs what am i supposed to do fold yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, i got uh, i got another one that's kind of interesting um this was a little bit before that hand so that was that was my bust out hand i didn't spike a queen and get lucky i busted 30th uh but uh, a little bit before that um I've got 130k, uh, and the opener. He's the big stack, probably in the tournament. At this point, he had like six or seven hundred thousand. I, I don't. I, it, it was tough to tell. There were so many DF chips, um, <laughs> but it well has me covered. Uh, blind levels are three thousand, five thousand with five thousand ante, and we've got 130k, so we got 26 big blinds. And this guy with all the chips, he's been really, really active, and um, you know, raising a lot. And, uh, you know, some of the hands he's showing down with, he was making some loose calls that were mistakes. Like he would go and raise 13 K and then call a 60 or 70 K shove with like Jack Knight suited. Mm. He's obviously behind, you know, like, yeah, what are, what, what are you, you're just chip drunk at this point. You know what I mean? So, uh, he, uh, he raised to 13 K and we're in, um, let's see, where were we? We were, um, on the button. And we've got uh, pocket jacks, two red jacks. So with 130K, he raised to 13. Blind levels are three and five. Uh, so he raised two and a half big blinds. 
Um, what are you doing with 26 big here in Jacks? I think that based, based on the description of this guy, like making some of these bad calls of three bets. Now, granted those were three bet shoves and I guess he knows he's closing the action. So it's a little easier for him. I think I might, again, some place I might just jam here. It's a kind of a big jam, but I don't know. There's a lot of dead money out there. Our hand's not that great. I mean, it's jacks. It's not aces. Um, but I kind of feel like against, I think against this guy, I almost just want to like go for a big three bet, like size it up in such a way that he, we, he's going to call like he has been. The downside of this is that we're probably going to have to get in on almost every flop. Yeah. But, um, so I, I might make it like 65K oh. or something. It, it would depend a little bit on how much I think he's like aware of my stack size and stuff too. Like it, it sounds like he's not very stack aware, which makes me kind of just want to put like a make him make a mistake by putting a bunch of chips in the pot. Yeah. Um, now it's going to really suck when this board comes like ace king four. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kind of just I think I'm just kind of willing to play my hand that way, and if he spikes against us, he spikes against us. Okay. Okay. We'll be in, we'll be in position, right? So yeah, we got yeah because we were on the button. Yeah, so I mean, you know, maybe we can maybe we can change that plan. <laughs> you know, if the board comes down really bad, or if he shoves into us or something, you know, on a bad flop. But I think I kind of like that versus shoving. Okay. Okay. Because I think our even he's made some of these bad calls against like stacks half the size of ours. But is he going to call 130k? Probably not. I don't really like flatting because we have no idea where this guy is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I like a three bet, and I think I like going a little bit bigger with it. Just like I said, just to make him make a bigger mistake. A bigger mistake. Okay. All right. I uh I three bet. I made it 30k. So I made it a little bit smaller. I looked to my left and it did not look like the blinds were doing anything. They they mm-hmm. were bored and folding. Um and uh, uh so I make it uh 30k. He um it folds to him. He looks back at his cards, he thinks for a little bit and at that point I was kind of hoping he was going to shove. Uh but uh um whether he was debating shoving or calling or whether he was debating folding or calling, I couldn't tell, but he ends up calling. Okay. Um, so he calls. So we got uh, 73K in the pot with the annies and blinds and the raises. Uh, we now have 100K behind. Um, so stack to pot is uh, more than one to one. And the flop comes. We got two red jacks. The flop comes queen nine nine, two spades. And he, I don't want to say he instantly shoves, but it was about a second might've been too long. You know, <laughs> it was like 0.8 seconds, you know, yeah. it's just like the flop came out and he, uh, uh, and then he's all, all in. And he said it, <laughs> you know, quick like that. And I was like, oh, that damn queen. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I, uh, I was like, okay, well, let me just try to get him talking like I always do. And, uh, you know, because we kind of had a friendly dynamic going. And uh, so I was like, huh. And then when he saw I didn't snap call, it was kind of like he kind of relaxed a little bit. And then uh, then I said, uh, 
you know, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing, Josh? What's, what's going on here? Like, and then he said, he said kind of in a matter of fact voice, he said, uh, I was going to shove any flop. <laughs> so what does that say to you? Yeah, that's really weird. That's not a line I've heard from people very often. Right. It, it certainly seems comfortable. Like in that, I mean, he's a, He's essentially advertising to you that he doesn't have anything, right? Like he's kind of he's. I was going to shove any flop, which, like, is he, like, is he going to say that when he has aces or kings? Right. I don't think so. But he does seem awfully comfy, which kind of leads me to think it's not like, you know, a flush draw or a straight draw. But is he going to do this with a nine? I doubt it. Like, it, it kind of feels like it can only be a queen. That's kind of how I felt. It, um, when he said that, I, I, I don't remember if I said it out loud. I hope I didn't, but I definitely thought you were going to shove any flop, but you chose this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and I mean, like, you've shown a ton of strength. So I don't – like, is he really trying to get you to fold – an overpair seems odd. I don't know. Like I kind of, it just kind of feels like this is a queen every time and almost nothing else. I mean, I guess he could have like King 10 of spades or something like combo draws and stuff where he's, he is drawing, but he's super comfortable because he has so many damn outs. Yeah. He just <laughs> least... so many chips. He doesn't care. Yeah. But I don't know, like saying I was going to shove any flop just seems super confident to me. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't say that if I was on a draw, but I might say it if I had 9 10. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's a statement Um, that seems like he kind of wants to appear weak, which was what set off alarm bells. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think he's trying to make himself look weak, which makes me think he's not. Yeah. Um, but the question, you know, then the question becomes, is he, if he's not weak, is he weak in a drawing or is he not weak in a drawing way? In other words, like I said, he has so many outs or he has his beat. I I can't, it's not, it's like not going to be sevens or eights. Right. So it's like, it's literally a queen, a nine or a bigger pair than ours. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if it could. Yeah, he could call there with like aces, but the uh, aces or kings. Um, you know. He yeah. Does like, he does he seem like the kind of guy to you that would have would just flat aces or kings there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it could be something like that too. I I don't think we're good very often. Okay, I did the math on this, and we need to be good thirty seven percent of the time. Mm, uh, yeah. I didn't have the math in the in the moment there, but. Monday morning quarterback writing it all down and adding it up. That's that's what we got to be good. Thirty seven percent. And I, I don't know. It, I mean, shit. Uh, again, in a vacuum. Okay, you have Jacks here, and uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's only one overcard. But the way he said that, I end up folding. I don't. I don't know if it was a good fold or not. But um, yeah, I. I don't know. It just felt like he had a queen or a nine or. You know, like one of those combo draws, like you said, which we're probably not that good against. And, uh, you know, like you said, like King Tennis Bades or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 
the good news is that, he, like you said, even against stuff like that, we're not in that great of shape against those hands anyway. I mean, if he, if he showed me those hands, I'd probably call, especially since we blocked yeah. a straight draw. Um, but I'm not going to feel very good about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, here, let's flip. Um, I think that, I think it's a good fold. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. I needed to talk it over with someone. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, is, it is a little bit weird. You know, I'm starting to think about this now, though. If he's going to get all his chips in on this board and he has a what, like, why is he not checking you and letting you invest more chips? That was like another a, part, too. Like, is he is he doing this with sevens? And he's like, OK, if he calls me, with, you know, ace king or something here, I'm a favorite. Yeah. Like now, because now I'm like, if I'm I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, let's say I have a nine. Yeah. I'm. Why would I shove and try to get you to fold your jacks or anything else for that matter? And if we have ace queen or king queen suited or something like that, kind of the same thing. Like by shoving, all we do is get called by better. Yeah. And we fold out all worse hands. So shit, now I'm thinking maybe he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Because he's shoving he uh, effectively 2x pot, right? Uh, like one and a half pot. One and a half? Yeah, there's 73 in there. I got 100 behind, so he basically made it 100. Hmm. Now I'm starting to wonder. Although, he might just be trying to protect against flush draws, straight draws... Doesn't want to see an overcard come. I don't know. Now I'm starting to wonder. Maybe it was a call. That was probably a bad fold. He what doesn't... he said would influence my decision heavily. See, that's the thing. Like his his action to me, his action contradicts his confidence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he seemed to me, him saying that seems incredibly confident. But if he's so confident, why is he trying to get you to fold by shoving one and a half x pot? Right. Like it just seems odd to me. Hmm. Now I'm wondering it. We might be we might be good here more often than I was originally thinking. Maybe we are good more than thirty seven percent of the time. We might be good here like half the time. Yeah. Have you told this hand to anybody else? I'm kinda curious if anybody else has said call. No, I haven't. We're we're just two monkeys uh shooting the shit here that uh <laughs> apparently yeah. don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, for, for the people listening, tweet at me and Steve and yes. <laughs> let us know what you would do in this spot because I'm kinda curious. I think it's a really interesting spot. Yeah. Yeah. The more that I think about it. I mean, we're down to uh let me see, had we made the money by this point? Uh, let me think. Was that one guy there? Because he was a bit. Yeah, we were in the money. We were in the money. We weren't on the bubble. Okay. I still. I think I still kind of lean towards a fold being good, but I am not as confident as I was seven minutes ago when I first said it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be curious to see what other people say. So if you get any other feedback on that, yeah, let me know. Okay. Yeah. Tweet it. Tweet at me and Derek. Uh, reference the. Uh, uh, reference the Jack Jack hand and uh, let us know what you guys would do at HUP Podcast and. Uh, at uh, at Derek Tenbush, right? Yep, that's yeah, correct. At Derek Tenbush. Yeah, I'd be curious what you guys would do, because I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. It is. I got, um, I got one more here. Um, let's see. What is this one? Uh, oh, yes. Okay. This was the one where I ran pretty deep, got uh, 10. Uh, we're down to 12-handed, uh, so we've run through a, a landmine uh, field of 
331 players. We're down to two tables, six-handed at each table. And um, the uh, under the gun, uh, so he would be the low jack, I guess, if we're six-handed under the gun. Um, he's got glasses, he's muscular, Asian, but his accent almost sounds like, um, like German or something. I should have asked him where he was from, uh, because he might've been one of those, uh, token guys that, uh, you know, his family emigrated from, uh, China to, uh, Germany and they just grew up there. And so he learned German and English as a second language and, and yeah. that was it or something, you know, one of, one of those guys, um, he was, um, Moderately active, uh, but uh, I mean, I guess everyone was. And he, he was the tightest guy at the table, but you still kind of have to be active six-handed. But he's the tightest guy at the table. Um, he raises to two big blinds, um, under the gun or in the low jack. Uh, we're on the button with ace-queen off. We have 19 big blinds. He's got about 40 or 50. Uh, small blind, uh, looking to my left, I can tell the small blind's folding. He keeps his cards in it. He looks at, the, at his cards before the action comes to him. And if he's going to fold, it's, it's one of the most obvious tells I've ever seen. He those are my favorite people. I love those people. Oh God, it's so <laughs> yeah, You can get position <laughs> from under yeah. the gun when you have a row of people like this. <laughs> and so he, I can tell he's folding because he has his cards in his hand. And if he, if they were good and he was going to play them, he puts a chip on top of them. It was fucking so simple. <laughs> and so anyhow, so small blind is folding. Right? <laughs> and the big blind, is a very active kid. Uh, he's got to be a pro. Um, he, you know, almost said nothing at the poker table, just listening to uh, music the whole time. Very calm. You could never get a read on the kid. He was super annoying. I had him at my first table and he was two to my left and he just kept three dudding the shit out of me. And, um, anyways, now we're at the second to last, uh, uh just before the final table, I got him, uh, two to my left again. This <laughs> is just as annoying, <laughs> you know, I hate that. Yeah, so anyhow, we got ace-queen off on the button here, and this guy's in the big blind. And so he's actively three-betting um, and uh, just a real active player. I think it would take horrific cards for him to fold here in the uh, in the big blind, something like, you know, 7-3 offsuit, and even those he might be he might be calling. But I think he's going to be re-raising a lot with things like, um, you know, king-queen, queen-jack, uh, three-betting with suited uh, cards, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so under the gun raises two big blinds. We're in on the button with ace queen off and 19 big blinds. Small blind is folding and that's the guy in the big blind. What, uh, what are you thinking here? You said we had about what 16 big blinds you said? 19. 19. Okay. Hmm. Kind of a sexy spot to call with the big blind being so active. I kind of, uh, we're off suited. We're off suit. Kind of like flatting suited better. I might. So you said this guy's been actively three betting. Is he three betting mostly late position opens, or has uh, he just been? He just like incessant three betting, like basically three betting anyone. He's three betting. Um, yeah, everyone. He's just super active. He's yeah. he's just very very good at reading people and knowing where he is when the cards comes out, and he uses that to his advantage. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we're obviously not folding. I think, I think there's two options. We can flat in hopes of getting squeezed by this big blind, which either a and obviously we're doing that with the intention of not folding to yeah. him either. Now, what does get interesting is if we flat, 
big blind three bets and the original raiser shoves or something or four or just four bets now our hand obviously just shrinks up and i might we might actually be able to find a fold yeah um but it also kind of sucks going three ways with ace queen i'm leaning towards flatting in hopes of getting squeezed but i wouldn't hate a three bet here too um can you three bet without shoving like can we make it like five and a half bigs just to get him out as well and then get heads up with the original opener. Yeah, I think we probably can. Um, I guess the, the question then becomes how how good do we feel if we get four bet by the original opener? Like are we I like can we three bet fold? I kinda think we can actually, with the guy being under the gun. Um I feel like we can maybe we might actually be able to three bet fold. Okay. Is that nitty? I don't, I don't know. That's why I brought this hand up. It's like, I don't yeah. know. Because I could see flatting, I could see three betting, and I could see shoving. And I could see all of them showing a profit, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one's the most profitable. Probably. I, know. I think Mark would say shoving is the most profitable, but I, 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 don't, I just don't know. Yeah, I think, I think shoving might be. I mean, because obviously, it's obviously a, high, a more high variance move to just flat or to three bet like we're a we're opening ourselves up to getting exploited and shoved on by worse yeah <laughs> and fold. um but yeah i i think i would lean towards a flat um we're in the we're in the small blind you said no we're on the button we're on the button okay yeah so we're gonna be in position i think i lean towards a flat but i also don't mind three bet folding to the guy if he shoves on us and i also don't hate shoving but i think i'm leaning towards a flat okay okay that's i i end up flatting and my main reason for this was the big blind mm-hmm. um i was hoping this would be one of the you know 25 or 30 percent chance times that he uh that he three bets although looking at it now i think it's less likely that he's going to three bet an under the gun opener and the guy that flatted on the button when he's going to be out of position for the, for the whole hand. Yeah. You know, so maybe that was a little bit of false thinking. I, I don't know. I, I end up flatting and then we go to a flop. It came eight high, uh, big blind checked the under the gun that like pot or something. And then I, I just folded. It came yeah. with two diamonds. We didn't have a diamond and it was just, that, that was the end of the hand. But I stepped away from the table and made a voice note about this afterwards. And I was like, Maybe maybe this is just a shove. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think shoving would show a profit here for yeah. sure. Um, but you know, there is something to be said for your tournament life. Um, we're getting close to the final table. There's probably some decent pay jumps there. I yeah, I think I'm kind of okay with flatting. I don't hate it. Okay. I kind of feel like some people might though. Like I think Mark might tell me I'm a dolt. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep hearing him. I, when I was in this hand, I heard Mark in my ear like, uh, you shove this right here. You make uh, 1.3 big blinds. It's a shove. Just do it. Move on to the next hand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like like you said, I I, it, I do think that our our three better is like less likely to be three betting in the spot, like you said, than probably normal. I mean, it isn't another going to open. He's going to be out of position. 
et cetera, et cetera. So and ma- maybe ball. I'm I'm like too confident, that, you know, or maybe we're both too confident that this guy is going to squeeze here. Like he's probably just not doing it as well. I mean, if he's three betting twenty percent, I mean, a he's only going to three bet here twenty percent of the time based on that number. Yeah. <laughs> and and if he's going to do it even less in this situation because of the end of the gun open in our flat, then let's say it's 15% or 10%. Well, so now we're waiting, we're hoping on a one in 10 shot that this guy squeezes. Yeah. Not, you know, not so, realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this, I, I like these kind of hand conversations because I literally start to change my mind as we talk it through more, kind of like in the last hand, you know, the yeah, more I yeah, thought about yeah. it. Well, it's impossible uh, to do when you're at the table cause you only got, you know, 20 seconds to act or something, but yeah. uh, here when we can dissect one in, in 15 and it, uh, um, yeah, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, so I don't know. Now I'm starting to lean away. From, <laughs> I'm leaning away from my flat. Maybe it's because I'm afraid of Mark yelling at me. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> that's I'm a real starting, fear. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to uh, gravitate more towards. I don't. I still don't know if I love a shove. It felt know. like it was too many big blinds to me and too critical of a spot. And you know, I was. I was thinking, like, what would Helmuth do here? He's probably the best tournament poker player in the world, and he just doesn't seem to get in spots where he goes all in. You know, he'll he'll do, like, these little three bets and then know where he's at and either fold or go with it. Like, he just he's just got that instinct. And I felt like, okay, if I flop an ace or a queen here, I'm in position. Um, you know, um, I can take the hand from there. If I don't, it's easy to get away from. I've only risked two big blinds. If this guy yeah. does happen to... Uh, Ship it here. I can call uh, the big blind very confidently that I'm ahead, um, you know, over his range. And yeah. uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think you described it perfectly. And I think for that reason, I think I kind of think putting in a we could put in a pretty small three bet, too. I don't think it needs to be very big. Just enough to get the, the big blind out. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, get it heads up take it to the streets in position and if he shoves on us you know so be it we cost ourselves i don't know like maybe i mean we could probably make it like five big lines or something so yeah four and a half you know. five five and a half yeah like we still got 14 15 bigs which is a lot live yeah um yep and and i don't think this guy's ever going to shove on us with the worst hand like i don't you know i don't think he's going to four bet jam ace jack or ace 10 suited or probably even not some small pairs yeah um so you know, if we if we run into it, we fold, and if not, we take it to the streets in position. Yeah, I kind of dig that. Okay, okay, all right. Um, oh, I lied. I got I got one more. You got time for one more? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. We're uh, uh, we're seven handed at uh, the Aria four hundred. Uh, blind levels are five hundred one k with one k in antes. Um. I've been super active at the table and there was an annoying guy to my left that was, uh, as active as I was. <laughs> and so he was, <laughs> I'd, I'd raised to steal the blinds. Um, this particular time I didn't go three X to steal the blinds because, uh, they were so tight in the blinds. I knew I just had to get through this guy and then it was very likely that I would take it down. Um, so, um, we're in middle position. We have uh, Jack 10 of diamonds, uh, which is also probably more importantly than our actual hand is that it's my favorite hand. Check. <laughs> yes. So that, that gives it a couple extra points right there. Uh, but, uh, we raised Jack 10 of diamonds to 2,700. So 2.7 bigs, uh, at 501 K. Um, and this guy's on the button. 
and he three bets us. Uh, we have 60K effective, so we start the hand with 60 bigs. Uh, we raise uh, 2,700. The button, this guy, three bets to 5,200. And nice. the action folds back around to us. So um, what are you thinking here? Well, first of all, it's her favorite hand, so we can't mm-hmm. fold. Right. <laughs> that goes without um, saying, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even if it wasn't our favorite hand, sizing's pretty small. We have a hand that plays pretty well and easily post-flop. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of merit in four-betting, although this guy has been pretty active. It's probably going to look super strong if we do it. But I think our hand's just like too good. Meaning, I don't want to. I don't want to four bet here and have this guy jam and have to fold a hand like Jack Ten of Diamonds. So I think just flatting. I think I think flatting is pretty standard here. Okay, I thought so too. I thought it's only two and a half more lines for us. Uh, um, you know, the pot will be twelve uh, k at that point. It'll have twelve big blinds in it. Um, it flops easy. You know, you're gonna know right away whether you got something or not. Um, yeah. Just flicking a call. Yeah. Okay. So I call. Um, now the flop is interesting and the flop, uh, with Jack 10 of diamonds, we get a flop of eight of diamonds, seven of diamonds, six of hearts. Okay. So we got a flush draw. We have a gutter and we got, uh, the nine of diamonds will give us the stone nuts. Um, and the action's on us. We've got 54, we'll call it 55 K behind and we got 12 K in the middle. Uh, so stack to pot is about four and a half to one and the action's on us. Uh, hmm. so I guess check raising seems like the most obvious thing. Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to say first question I asked myself, is there any merit leading here? And I, I mean, unless we're just trying to like pot control, I don't really see a lot of reason to do that. So yeah, I think I, I think I'm just gonna go for. I'm gonna check. I, I don't necessarily think we have to decide that we're gonna check raise yet. Like we can maybe do some different things based on his sizing, but I think I think I would start with a check. Okay. Okay. I uh, I checked as well. He bet into twelve four, uh, twelve thousand four hundred. He bet forty three hundred. So pretty small. Not like unusually small, I guess like third. So I'm just trying to decide if we want to raise now. There's going to be so many cards that he's going to hate. So it's kind of my thinking. Like, you know, if he, if we just call in a diamond appeals or a 10 or a nine, like or a five. Like there's so many cards that are, like are just gonna like kill the action if he has aces, and we have so much equity. I think I might. Yeah, I think I like just going for a raise now. Okay. Okay. What? Uh, so, what, what size are you gonna make it? Probably like he made it fifty six. You said. Uh, he made it uh, fifty. Oh, I'm sorry, forty three. Forty three. I'd probably go like twelve k. Maybe like yeah, almost like almost three x. Uh, we could probably even go a little bit bigger if we wanted to. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, because we obviously we don't have a made hand yet, so it's not like we mind him necessarily folding. So we could even go a little bit bigger, maybe like thirteen five or something. Okay, that's pretty much what I did. I I raised it to thirteen k, and then uh, so that puts um, let's see, that gives us forty one k behind effective, and then there's about thirty in the middle. Uh, at this point, if he calls, then the stack to pot ratio will be about one to one. Um, and so at this point he folds, but after this hand, I realized, I thought maybe the pattern is we lead out like he did. And then if he raises us now we can shove. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Because at this point, when we raise to 13,000, if he shoves, we can never fold. Right. 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 I mean, we just get like this is just <laughs> it's too yeah. hand, I think. Yeah. Right. But hey, I hate calling in a spot like that when you know we don't have a made hand. I just threw into uh, Equilab right now. I put okay, what if we were up against the worst of hands, aces through queens, and we're still forty five percent. Yeah. And that's worst case scenario. Well, I guess he could have a set that would probably be a little worse, but um, it um, I don't know. Yeah, we just have so much equity that I mean, we're never. I don't think we're ever folding, so maybe leading can be interesting, but I'm just kind of thinking, I just kind of want to get chips in the spot, and I kind of feel like we're going to be able to put the most pressure on him by check by raising. raising. Yeah, okay. Okay, maybe check raising was the move then. And then you just got to accept if he ships it, then you have to call, because you just yeah. have too much equity no matter what he's got. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay, I guess the check raise was good. And then if he checks behind, then you got pot control and you can kind of decide what to do from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we can also, like... So, like, if he calls our check raise and it comes one of those kind of bad cards, like an like I was kind of saying, bad for him, you know, meaning a scary card to him, Yeah, we can also check back and make it look scary to us, you know? Uh, so, if it, you know, if we make our straight or we make our flush, we can check the... We can check back the turn, making ourselves look free to that board, and hopefully maybe he piles the river or bets the, bluffs the river or whatever, and we get more chips that way. Because we really, it's kind of one of those hands where I think, like, if we make our hand, just because of the coordination of the board, if we make our hand, we're probably only getting one more bet. You know? Yeah, we might not get fully paid off. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know, I've, there's a lot of interesting ways that hand could go. I, I think the check raise is pretty good though, and okay, I mean, it worked. We won okay. the jack high, so and that was that was that was your first instinct too, and sizing and everything. You and I were on the same page, so that's yeah. probably uh, yeah, probably the best move. Right. I like it. Cool. Well, what uh, right on, what's, what's new with uh, TPE? I've been uh, watching all the videos and everything. Alex's new uh, series up there is freaking awesome. Yeah, people are really liking his vids. Um, and I like him a lot too. I'm actually, I'm like, I'm pretty far behind on my Alex video watching, so I need to, I need to get that going. In fact, I might do that some of that tonight actually, because I'm feeling very tired and worn down today. So I might just plant myself on the couch with my laptop and watch some vids. Right um, but yeah, you know, we got uh, got some new videos rolling in from Andrew Brokus as well. Um, we actually have a new uh, series from Danny N13 on the horizon. And we're actually about to – I wish I could spill the news now, but we're about to um, launch a series from a new pro 
probably in the next month. Ooh. But um, I've learned my lesson from past experiences of announcing a, a new pro and then having them change their mind or decide <laughs> not that they're too lazy to make videos. So I, I won't say the name, but I will say that people can look forward to uh, a fresh face on the yes. TPG roster. <laughs> right on. <laughs> my, two, my two favorite right now are Colin Moshman and uh, Alex Fitzgerald. You know what? I got to put Andrew Brokus in there too because he's just like the staple of you know, oh, you yeah. want to learn about bluffs? Well, I have a seven-part series on that if you want to learn about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want to learn about reading hands? Oh, yeah, we have a six-part series on that, you know. Yeah. Four hours of content on uh, hand reading. So I think those are probably my top three. Colin's really good. Oh, my God. Yeah. That guy yeah. knows ranges better than anyone I've ever seen. I know. It's pretty – it really – it actually makes me feel pretty bad <laughs> right. when I watch videos like that. I, kind of the same way I feel when I, when I watch – Daryl Jace videos. I'm always just like, man, I'm stupid. <laughs> How about a poker? situation anyway? comes up and you're all, oh, that's a call. And they're all, this is a fold every time. And you're like, uh, yeah. okay, I guess I'm hemorrhaging money in this spot. Tell me why. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he had a series recently where he was doing some work in PO Solver. And I'm so technically inefficient with stuff like that that I was watching it. I'm just like, man, I need to, I need to like get in. I, I need to get in the lab. It teaches me how to be in the lab yes. <laughs> like i don't like i, I need i need a, a training course and all this stuff so <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah lots of good lots of good stuff we have well I, I don't know when this podcast will go live but we have the tp meetup on the 22nd as well which i'm really looking forward to that's always a good time that was next on my list i announced it on the uh <clears throat> on the podcast before this one but this will be out before the 22nd this will be out the next day or two nice um so uh yeah so if you guys are in town uh pt's pub it's on the corner of Flamingo and Decatur. Uh, it's a classic dive bar, and uh, there will be beer and pizza. Yep. <laughs> good times yeah, had a, by all. Yep. It's not it's not fancy, but you'll find uh, good people and good conversation. Yes. And shuffleboard. Which and shuffleboard. Is always yes. a blast. And there will be money on the shuffleboard. <laughs> oh yes, high stakes shuffleboard action. Yes. So yeah, if you're, sit, if you're tired of sitting at the poker table, come to some come stand at the shuffleboard table with us for a while. Yes, <laughs> right on, right on. Cool, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, it's gonna be good times. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you. Good deal. Yeah, so if you guys want to uh, join Tournament Poker Edge, you know the uh, uh, you know where it's at tournamentpokeredge.com. You can click on the link in the show notes or just type that into your computer. When you guys join, use the codes HUP month, HUP quarter, or HUP year. You'll get a little discount and uh, spread some love back to the podcast and to TPE. Absolutely. Um, that's uh, about all I got, Derek. Unless you want to throw any plugs in, you you uh, still want to go meet up for a beer and lunch? My treat. Um, let me let me let you know. Okay. Uh, I I see a very long um, Skype conversation from diego who's my business partner at tpe okay and i have no idea what it's related to but it seems somewhat urgent so i'll see what's up with that but uh yeah maybe we'll do that okay all right well uh, text me and uh, let me know Sounds and good. um right on okay well thank you for tuning in and here is your weekly motivational speech and as zen she says flower does not think about competing with the flower next to it it just blooms and that's really your job is to see the outside world to see the flower next to you to understand the amazing things that are happening all around you all of the incredible people and the essence of what they have and what it is that they've done to bring inside yourself and find out what does that look like when it's me not what do i look like when i'm them 
And once you understand the difference between that, then you can really begin to be something unique. You can become that thing that you were meant to be, that thing that makes you feel alive and whole. And that's it, that's the secret. You're just trying to be something, not that's just inspiring to other people, but that you actually wanna wake up every day and be. And that's the thing about it. There's no escaping you. Whatever you become, a lie, the truth, somebody else, yourself, whatever it is, you spend every day of your life there. And as Albert Einstein said, Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. And that's what confuses people. People believe that they're dumb because they're not finding their path. They're not defining things based on what excites them and what they want to live with every day. They're just looking to what the outside world says is good. And I think it's incredible that there are other people doing things that are so extraordinary that we aspire to be like that. But you have to understand the difference between being like someone and trying to actually be them.